This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. Shantons had to meet in a different location. So that's the kind of information that you get on those text messages. So I'd encourage you to check out some of those small groups. We've got a couple of events coming up. So uh, on the 18th, there's actually going to be a ladies event at the Plowcroft Tea Room. And for that, I believe they've reserved like the entire space. So we'll have an RSVP up for that soon, but just wanted to go ahead and get that on your radar. Uh, it's going to be $15. It's the 18th, and it starts at 2 p.m. So we'll get you more information for that so you can register here soon. But just make sure and keep that time open if you want to hang out with a lot of the ladies of Converge and spend some time together. And then, guys, I don't have a slide for this one yet, but it is on this sheet that there is a cookout and game night that's gonna be happening on March 2nd, 4.30 to 7.30, and that'll be here in the chapel. So there'll be a room set aside for video games and a room set aside for like tabletop gaming. And uh, yeah, we'll just hang out and eat food and spend some time fellowshipping together. Uh, I think that's all I've really got for announcements for you guys today. So I'm just gonna open things up in prayer as uh, Dave comes up here. Dear God, thank you so much just for this assembly of people that you have uh, together here today to learn together and grow together and discuss your word together. I pray that you give Dave, uh, Pastor Dave, many truths for us to hear this morning. I pray that you'd help us to minimize distractions and to be able to focus on your word and that as we uh, grow together, that we would grow deeply in the scripture. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, welcome to Converge, you guys. We're glad that you're here. Um, if, you, if this is your first time or you haven't been here in a while, I uh, just want you to know that, um, oh, I'm not loud enough? Come on. Uh, there we go. I always have trouble turning on the mic. Um, I want you to know that there's a group of, of people in here that love to walk through this era of life um, with you. you. There's a great team that, that loves you, have set aside their own like groups that they were a part of to come and be in this room uh, and be with you in small groups and be with you at activities. And, and we just love the idea that God is shaping you in this transition from being a teenager to being an adult in this in this young adult time frame and all of the things that are coming at you with education or job experience or beginning to have a little money or trying to figure out how to live without any money and like just all of the stuff relationships and ambitions that are that are just welling up inside of you to try to accomplish something with your days like we just love to be a part of that and so that's really what converge is all about is to be a place where we can gather together grow deeply in Jesus, and then be equipped to go from here because we understand that most of you won't be here in Lynchburg at Heritage forever. Uh, we just actually expect that a whole bunch of you will leave us in three to five years. 
And we're okay with that, not because we don't want you here, but because we really deeply believe that God has a purpose on your life and that you need to chase after it. And so as best we can, we want to help walk together in just deeply growing in Jesus so that any of us, me or you, are ready to go wherever God would have us to go to represent him to the people that he would have us go to. So that's, that's why it converges here. Sometimes in that walking through life, we get to celebrate the highs. Sometimes we get to just weep with others who are weeping because there are tough times that are real. Today is a celebrate the highs day. Um, there is a brand new engaged couple in this room. Luke and Haley back there got engaged. And we are thrilled for them. So, guys, thanks for, thanks for being a part of Converge. Thanks for uh, sharing that with us and letting us uh, rejoice with you while you're rejoicing. So we just think that's awesome. Uh, guys, today we're going to continue on our study through Ephesians. Um, and this month of February, we're going to pick up our rhythms from the fall. If you were with us, um, then you might remember what that looked like, where uh, on the first Sunday of the month, we're going to try to just really engage with the text together. On the second Sunday of the month, we're going to engage again with the text, but through discussion at the tables. And so Hunter will be with us next week to guide some discussion through this same passage of Scripture. Week number three, we're going to, um, to think about some things that are related to it, but, but kind of um, just a little bit uh, adjacent maybe to the topics um, with Ben, who's up here in the front. Hunter's in the back. You've seen him before probably. Ben's over here. And then on week four, we'll have kind of a, another related topic. So we, we understand that there is just a wealth of of teaching that happens in the main worship service, and we want you to be a part of that, and we want you to have the bandwidth in your mind to really engage with what Pastor Nathan is preaching. We also want this time to be just deep community, and so we're, tr we're trying to work on that balance between engaging with God's Word together and building community together in this room, and so that's, that's what this is developing out of today. Um, do you feel confused that I said we're in Ephesians, but First Peter is up on the screen? I'm glad you're perceptive. Um, today, we're going we're gonna to actually be, for the bulk of our time, in Ephesians chapter 5. But as I, was, um, as I was spending time with this text, what came, um, what just kind of came in my mind of, of another part of God's word that, that spoke into this text is from 1 Peter chapter 4. And so I want to actually start there. Uh, after I tell you that what, what we're looking at today has a lot of what you are supposed to do. The what is going to be heavy in the text that we're talking about today, but actually less heavy than the why. Now, if you remember our time um, in Ephesians 4 last week, we talked about how um, just how helpful Paul was in, in describing these things that we should stop doing and, and then couple it with things we should start doing and then to really give a, a substantial reason as to why we should do that. 
And, and I, I shared with you just how helpful that was for me, right? That it's always easier for me to follow through with somebody else's instruction if I understand the, um, the value behind it. You guys, um, we have five tablets out that are for attendance today if you get a chance to fill those out. But, but if you notice, there are five rows in this room. And so we tried to strategically give one to each row. When it gets to the front, you can just leave it at the table. Um, we don't, sorry for any confusion with that. Um, so in thinking through the why behind the what of Paul's instruction today, um, I actually, I actually was meditating on some instruction from Peter that is, I think, connected to what Paul is saying. Okay. Um, in first Peter, Peter writes this letter to churches that have been spread out across, um, across Asia Minor, and he's saying it to people who are, he's saying all these things to people who have been suffering under persecution, and he really writes this letter as a, um, as a challenge to live for a kingdom that is not here while you're currently in a broken world. Living for the kingdom in a broken world. And how do we balance these two things? And so we get to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 in this argument that he's giving to, to live as strangers and aliens in, in this world. And, and we get to um, Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3. And this is what Peter tells his audience. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That if, if we're going to link arms together with Jesus in life, we're also going to link arms together with Jesus in suffering, and that in that suffering, there needs to be a change of of behavior that match also matches Jesus so that we're no longer living for the flesh but for uh, or for the passions of this flesh but for the will of God. And then he says this in verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties and lawless idolatry. And and this these specifics really just go to, to bolster his statement that says, whatever participation you've had in the flesh is enough. If you're a follower of Jesus, that, 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 time, that time needs to now be behind you. And, and sometimes I think that, that we get this idea that, um, you know, it, maybe we've Maybe we've come to Christ early and grown up in, in kind of a, uh, maybe we feel like it's a strict home and we haven't really felt like we've gotten to experience the world, so to speak. And so we almost get this idea, and maybe it's more than almost, we get this idea that we're missing out on life because we haven't gotten to experience certain Vices that other people have gotten to experience. We haven't gotten to make our own decisions and in, in where the limits should be. And so we wanted, we just, we kind of wish we had that freedom to 
express ourselves in that way. And, and then for others of us, you didn't have that structure behind you and you have absolutely gotten to express yourself in those kinds of ways. And, and now you're, you're just trying to figure out how do I balance this new life with this stuff that I've had in my past and things that I still might have a proclivity to do? You know, I would just kind of want to be a part of certain things. And, and what Peter is saying is that regardless of, of your level of experience with the things of the world and the passions of the flesh, you've had plenty because it's not it's not real anyway. What's real is walking with Jesus and eternal life with God. And that as a follower of Jesus, we all of that old stuff has been made new. And so it's actually, it's actually upon us to set those things aside and to move forward in holiness and living differently from the world because we've been given a task to now represent Christ to the world. And so it, it, all, it, it can, if we come at it with our own self-interest in mind, our own kind of pride that is, that's shaping our desires in a way that, that we, feel, we feel a little bit boxed in because we, we feel like we're not getting to do the things that, that it just seems like everybody else is doing. And, we, and so now we're, we're, we're torn with this. We're torn with this old life, new life, and how am I gonna do this? And I, and I want to go into Ephesians 5 with the perspective that Peter is sharing with, with his audience to say, guys, who you were is done. That, that if you belong to Jesus, all, all of that um, should fade in, in value to knowing and following Jesus. Because what, what we have to realize is that the priority of eternity far outweighs the value of our our fleshly desires. And, and we're going to read a lot of like specific things that it would be easy for us to linger in um, a prudish legalism today and to think, well, yeah, it's just another list of don't do, don't do, don't do. And, and I'm not sharing with you anything new that you haven't seen in God's word before if you've spent any time around God's word. Um, and so, the, so what I want us to leave with today is the deep penetrating why behind the what that Paul is saying. I mean, frankly, most of what we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 5 You've heard all before, and we don't need to, we don't need to go into that. And, and if we did, the punchline to it is vastly, you should join proven men and proven women, which is also part of this healing process for trying to set things aside and, and move forward in Christ. It's, it's the idea that we have certain things in our lives that no longer belong there because we belong to Jesus. 
And I, I would love for us at the end of today to feel like we have awakened to reality instead of walking around in a daydream. And I'm stealing that language from C.S. Lewis, okay? I'll just, I'll give credit where, where credit is due. I'm stealing that language from C.S. Lewis and Paul. Um, Paul and C.S. Lewis, I'll put it in, in the right order. Um, because we have the tendency to mosey through life lulled into a, a daydream of false reality that seems to carry with it so much value and necessity to participate and distraction from the truth, which is we belong to Jesus and we're part of a kingdom that is, that is here, but not all the way here, and that we get to represent in this world. And that any time we spend thriving in the daydream is lost in the reality that we should be living in. And so if, if we together leave here just a little bit more awake than when we came in, that's, that's my goal. Okay? So with that, let's get to our actual text today. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1 because it makes me feel better. Um, but we actually covered verses 1 and 2 last week. Uh, I think it's a little bit... You guys know, right, that this is just one long letter that Paul wrote to the, to the church in Ephesus and that our verses and, and chapters um, are great, but not necessarily, not, not inspired. And so whether verses one and two go with chapter four or with chapter five is actually just the wrong question. It's like, what does this whole letter say? So I'm going to include it with both because I can. Chapter five, and we're going to read verses uh, one through 20, uh, 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, 
but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Guys, can we pray together um, before we start talking through this, these verses? Father, you have done a work in our lives to move us from being darkness to being light. Not just that we get to participate in the light, not that we get to be exposed to the light, but Father, your word here says that that we are light and that because of that, we need to walk as children of the light. And that in that, you have employed us to dispel darkness. And Father, we so often ignore our responsibility to be light and instead participate in darkness. And so, Father, would you today do a work in our hearts to awaken us Many of us have been moved from death to life, and yet we live in a a sleepy, daydreamy kind of existence where we toy with the darkness instead of thriving in the light. So, Father, would you expose us to your light today and then employ us as light to go on and expose the darkness. And that we can only do that when you do this work of ridding us from these worldly passions that we participate in in our daydreaming. So Father, would you humble us today? Would you allow us to loosen our grip on these things that we want to maintain and to release them so that we can fully pursue you and walk as children of light because these days are limited and they're evil. And we have a responsibility given to us by you to be your ambassadors to this world. Father, I ask that you would do a work in our hearts today to awaken us to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, um, we're going we're gonna to mainly start in, in verse 3, but, but just understand that this is following this summary statement of what we read in, 
in chapter 4 that because of all of these things, what God has given us to put away and what God has given us to put on and the motivation behind it, that we are unified together, that as the body, we need to be linked in ministry and, and existence together as we, as we build one another up in the love and knowledge of Jesus, that we need to be imitators of God and walk in love. Our life with God needs to be a lifestyle of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so he then comes in and says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Does anything stand out to you in those three words, like how they relate to each other? Most, let, me, let, me go, let me go back. If we read through this, this is very heavy in two kind of ballparks, in my opinion. One is um, sexual immorality, and the other is the use of the tongue, like how you, how you use your speech. Those two things kind of stand out in this passage. Um, for me, I'll, I'll go here because our time is short and there's, the verses are long. Um, covetousness kind of throws me off. There's sexual immorality, and I can kind of link that with impurity, but then there's covetousness, and it just seems to be wrong, but not the same as, as these other two. But yet Paul goes on, he doesn't just say it here, he says it also in verse 5, he, he links them together again, be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, okay, sexual immorality, or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. These three things are linked in two verses separated by just one in the middle. There, there's something to do with how this relates. And, and I, I think we could go the route of saying, well, okay, so the covetousness that he's talking about must be sexual covetousness, which, which isn't a, a bad way to go. I also think, though, that that maybe it doesn't matter that we limit it to that because ultimately while, while sexual immorality and impurity really do kind of rest in one um, area of life, they, they are very much a pursuit of self-gratification that also is wrapped up in covetousness and greed. Right, And so whether, whether it's specifically just that Paul is, is resting squarely on your, your holiness and purity or whether in, in sexual terms or if he also is then linking all of these other things that you may choose to chase after, which he goes so far as to say is idolatry, not the first time we've heard something like that, right? Um, he says that in other places in scripture, but that we... Um, that we read covetousness is linked with idolatry. They're together here. That's, that's the level of um, desire that he's describing and, and really, in most cases, the pursuit of sexual immorality, the pursuit that he describes in chapter four um, is, oh, here we go. It's all marked up from the other time. Um, sensuality, and then, and then greedy right here, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
it contextually, he's linking this greediness, this covetousness with impurity that we are just, we are consumed with a desire that isn't ours to have, which could be as, um, you know, the Ten Commandments, it could be your neighbor's house or donkey or, or wife or whatever, right? It could be uh, just a number of things, but, but here Paul seems to be really linking this particular, um, this particular greed to impurity. He doesn't specify that in chapter 5, verse 3, but because of how closely linked to all of this, it is, it seems that he's probably mostly talking about that. I, I don't think that gives us a pass, though, if there's some other idolatry just welling up inside of you that also creates um, a lack of holiness, where I am now so consumed with chasing after money or... Um, or status, that it, it all becomes idolatry because what we're doing is elevating it in the same, in, in replacement of our pursuit of Jesus. We attach, we attach our image to it. We attach our ambitions to it. We, we put all our time into it. We put all our emotion into it. And these, so these things that would be covetousness in general all really do take that image that Paul is saying as idolatry right here, okay? So, so while on the surface, I, I just feel like, well, that just doesn't quite seem to fit. doesn't matter. It, it, could, it could really be that what, what Paul is saying here is all your greed for impurity, all this all this that is marking the life of the Gentile. That's where we were just a minute ago in chapter four. These were, how do the Gentiles walk? These are all things that we should throw out uh, and then put on something else. That, that mark of the Gentile is still there and it shouldn't even, do you see this? Be named among you. This is a level of holiness that most of us have not reached where not only is it not practiced among you, it's not even named among you. This is like, this is like the, um, the description of, of elders that we've talked about with Pastor Nathan through 1 Timothy, where um, above, you're above reproach, where there's just, there's, it would be so counter to how you have lived to name this among you, like for this to be, to th for this to be in the same sentence as your name would be preposterous. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. That that we should be so different from the world that the things that typically um, describe those around you, the the lifestyle of the average young adult American, just shouldn't even be named among you. And this, this is proper for saints. He goes on and, and he talks about the speech patterns and lifestyles that kind of goes with this to be more inclusive of all the things that we should be 
be careful to rid from our lives. He says there should be no filthiness. Or uh, another way to describe that, I mean, like you really need it, right? Uh, Would be just obscene living. Just just living um, in a self-gratifying, filthy kind of, okay? Just any filthiness that's there. And foolish talk, which also generally refers to um, the kind of talk of, of just a sexualized environment. Foolish talk. These things that are, that are wastes of words. He goes on to say, and crude joking. And if that doesn't like begin to just speak to American culture in a way that most scripture just seems clinical, and now we say, and you shouldn't, and crude joking really shouldn't be a part of who you are. This stuff really steps on toes, right? And some of it, we feel like we're not even, we're not even active in it. We're passive in it because we walk into a situation and the people around us are doing that. And, and frankly, that's, that's going to continue to be the case because if you position yourself to be a light in darkness, like what we're going to get to, like, that is going to be a part of the, of the life around you. But what Paul is saying is, this really can't be a part of who you are. That, that if light is going to stand out against darkness, then the light has to be different. And so these things have to go away. So he says crude joking. And um, I, I'm not really sure... Megan and I, my wife Megan, if you haven't met her, I hope one day you do. If you sign up to go to the um, ladies' tea, she's, um, she's helping to organize that, and I hope you get to spend time with her um, there, ladies. Guys, you're not invited. Um, she and I were talking about this passage, and I think she, I think she connected it to C.S. Lewis, and so I apologize for not having the actual background behind it, but it was so striking to me that, that very often... The things that we joke about are the things that we somehow feel shamed about, right? We try to, it's like a defense mechanism, that we try to joke about things that, that otherwise would just make us feel insecure. And it helps us to somehow, you know, rebound from that um, to provide jokes. And so for a culture that treats sexuality as something to have crude jokes about really speaks to the impact of the fall. Have you, have you ever thought about that? that? That when Adam and Eve prior to the fall were just, were just open and, and there and naked and together and it was just like, it was, it was not something to be ashamed of, all of a sudden in the fall became something something shameful to be naked and needed to be covered up. And, and so sexuality became something that was private and, and, and safe in like confined areas and, and, and not something to be discussed outward. And, and then what it became was now we joke about it because it's something that, that it, there's some sort of shame or insecurity about because it was all broken in the fall. And so we participate in lingering effects of the fall when we participate in crude joking. 
I just thought that was, that was so poignant to me to understand just how, how those ramifications still are present because of what has taken place long, long ago and that we are still suffering the consequences of. And that these things, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, they're, they're out of place. And that instead, your habits and lifestyle should be, should be marked by thankfulness, gratefulness. And if you specifically think of gratefulness to your God who has done a great work in you, then your life reflects that gratefulness, which puts you on this path of holiness that Paul is talking about because you, because you value your Savior more than your comfort and your expressions of sin. So he goes, he goes on and he says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And right there, any of us who have some lingering sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness all of a sudden become insecure in our standing before God because we're, we think this seems black and white, right? That if, if this is who you are, then you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And what we have to understand it, from Paul's arguments here is, is there is a lifestyle that was who you were. You were in darkness. These things, the walk, the lifestyle of a Gentile, that's who you were. And that these things mark that. But you have been redeemed. You have been changed. And that your life needs to reflect that. And so be who you are instead of being who you were. But we spend so much time fighting the urge to be who we were instead of being who we are. And so this, this is saying that if you are, if you belong to Jesus, if you claim the inheritance, if you are in the kingdom of Christ and God, then these things should not define you. But people who are defined by this are the ones who aren't a part of the kingdom of Christ and God and don't have an inheritance. And so I feel it my responsibility, the way Paul gets to here in a few minutes, to, to call to you, awake, O sleeper, that if these are the things that mark your life, then you're reflecting who you were instead of who you are. And you need to be who you are. And your life then becomes something of eternal value because you live as children of the light, dispelling the darkness around you. We need to live as who we are instead of who we were. And, and he... I love what Paul says in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And this seems to be a strange comment right here. 
because it, it doesn't have like a clear understanding of what the empty words are about. And, and I don't know, in your first reading, you might just think, is Paul just jumping from one thing to the next? And like, I can't keep track of where Paul is going. But guys, if we understand that Paul is trying to make a, a consistent argument here, then what, what would the empty words be about if we can read between the lines? Anybody? What would his empty words be about? Uh, not Paul's, but what, what's he describing in empty words? Something about sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness, right? I mean, those are the things that we're talking, filthiness. It's all in kind of that one bag of, of purity, right? So let no one deceive you with empty words. He's got to be saying, don't let anybody deceive you with empty, meaningless words about sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, crude joking. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon you. So what would the empty words kind of surround? It would be that it's not that big of a deal. Don't let people deceive you into thinking this isn't significant in its value for you to participate in the change that God wants to bring about in your life. Don't let people bring empty words to you about it's, it's just something we all deal with, and so it's not that big of a deal. Don't let somebody convince you with their empty words that, that all we're doing is joking. It's not, we're not doing anything. It's just, we're just joking about it. It's just talk. It's just talk. We're not, there's nothing actually happening here. It's just, it's just talk. Paul would say, that talking about it is included, right? Foolish talk. That these things, these things are big deals. Don't let somebody deceive you that lingering unholiness in your life isn't a big deal. Because you need to be holy as your God is holy. And you have been called to holiness. This is a work that God has done on your behalf to bring this about in your life. And you get to put off, put off the old things and put on the new things and be who you are. And if we don't, if we get deceived, here's where we can kind of link it to something else, right? Then we become partners with them. Those with empty words have the potential of wrapping us up into their unholy living and, and then we are partners in this. This isn't who you are if you're a follower of Jesus. This is where we get to the why, all right? The what is heavy and we've heard it before and been challenged by it and we feel a daily battle with it and we and we have desires that are unmet and we don't know what to do with it and we just this is hard and the so the what is hard but the why 
The why behind the what is so big. It's bigger than your own desires to be pleased or comforted or or significant in anything. The why behind what Paul is telling you to be holy and to be righteous and and to stand out among the world is because you were darkness, but now you're light. This has happened if you are a follower of Jesus. You may not reflect it very well, but if you're a follower of Jesus, if if you've been made new, you are no longer darkness, you are light, so walk as children of light. Be who you are. And if you do, then the fruit of that life is only things that are good, right, and true. Not foolish talk and crude jokes and filthiness and sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. Those things are not the fruit of light. And so if you're children of light and your life isn't full of good and right and true and it's full of impure and immoral and filthy and crude, then you're not walking as children of light. So try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Figure out what it is that needs to be put off and humbly become who you've already been made new to be. Take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them. This is where a major change takes place. We spend so much time just trying to stop taking part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Like we put up guardrails around ourselves and we, we build accountability systems around us to try to stop being a part of the unfruitful works of darkness. And, and that's good. I'm not, I am not minimizing it. But what it isn't is the end. We haven't arrived when we put up all the guardrails to stop doing things. We've arrived when our desires have shifted from pursuing our own, our own idolatries and pursuing Jesus by now exposing the works of darkness. Because light, if you are light, you are light. You are. You are light. If you are light, you expose darkness. So, so do that. Instead of taking part in the unfruitful works of darkness, expose the light. Because it's those things that are in darkness are shameful to even speak of. All the things that are done in secret. And you, you know these things. Like We're not... We're not confused to think that, we, that we're not at varying degrees aware of the things that are done in secret, that are shameful to speak of, and that are fruits of the darkness. We're not confused to think that, that we're naive to all of those things. We know that. It's shameful to speak of those things. That's no longer who you are. So instead, expose them, and anything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. That seems obvious, right? 
And anything that becomes visible is light. That is confusing. Okay, understand the confusion here, okay? I'm, I'm gonna try to take you from a, like a pleasant acceptance of this to a confusion, okay? That's not usually how we do it here. What, what Paul seems to be saying is that you are light, and by being light, you make things visible. And when you make darkness, things that are not even supposed to be talked about, when you make them visible, things that become visible become light. Whoa. If I expose the darkness in the life of my friend because I live, I live truly, genuinely, humbly as the light and I expose the darkness, how does that then make it light? Well, your job as light is to expose darkness so that then the darkness is made light. We get to participate in this redemption and reconciliation that, it, that takes place when we, we represent the kingdom of light and we are light and we walk into darkness and we expose the darkness and, and by exposing the darkness and, and showing the value of the light and drawing people to Christ who is the light, we get to see that change where those things that became visible that were once darkness now become light. This is the why behind holiness, as Paul presents it here in chapter 5, that we need to be holy as our God is holy. It's bigger than that. We need to be holy as our God is holy because we get to participate in this great transition from the kingdom of darkness where people reside in this world to the kingdom of light where they can reside in life forever. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You might ask, I kind of hope you don't. You might ask, what is it? And for that, I'm going to quote John Piper. So I've quoted a couple of people today. Quote John Piper. John Piper says, nobody knows what it is. There's assumptions on what Paul seems to be quoting here. Um, there's some connection to a couple of passages in the Old Testament. There's, there's an assumption that maybe there's an early Christian hymn or liturgy that he's quoting. Um, it's really like impossible for us to define who Paul is quoting here. And, and that's just a little side trip for you. But what he is quoting is this idea that we, we need to wake up. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That the sleepiness here could be you. Even if you name the name of Christ, even if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that this sleepiness where you're lulled into a casual approach to all of this, this could be you, and you need to wake up. There's something big at stake. But perhaps you aren't the sleeper, you're the dead. You haven't been made new, and life hasn't come into you through Jesus, and so you need to wake up and now you need to rise from the dead. 
But not only that, we get to go and announce this. That as we wake up and we realize the significance of what we're being told in that we are no longer darkness, we are light, we get to now go and announce it to others. Wake up! There's something bigger. There's something more real. Um, yeah, do I have any uh, Chronicles of Narnia fans in here? Okay. There's a few. That's great. Um, I, I'm going to read a couple excerpts from the Chronicles of Narnia, but I'm actually going to start from another book called uh, The Romantic Rationalist, which is about C.S. Lewis. Here's his second appearance today. Um, and I'm going to try to hurry because I know our time is running out. And we actually, there's a group in here after us today, and so I can't go forever. Lewis experienced a powerful awakening and afterwards did everything he could to stay awake, by which I mean spiritually alert to the opportunities and dangers that attend the Christian life. For Lewis, waking, waking is a way of describing one's conversion, a coming to a new life. The Christian life is all about wakefulness. Theology describes what we see when we are awake in faith to the reality of God. And discipleship is the project of becoming fully awake to this reality and staying awake. The sad truth is that many of us are, at best, only half awake. We think we're engaged with the real world, you know, the world of stock markets, stock car racing, stockpiles of chemical weapons, but in fact, we are living in what Lewis calls the shadowlands. We think we're awake, but we're really only daydreaming. We're sleepwalking our way through life, asleep at the wheel of existence, only semi-conscious of the eternal, those things that are truly solid that bear the weight of glory. If conversion is the moment of awakening to the reality of God, discipleship is the effort we make to stay awake. Waking and sleeping often figure in Lewis's stories at important moments. Consider the scene from the silver chair. Okay, here, see, dear Chronicles of Narnia fans. Consider the scene from the silver, silver chair when the Queen of Underland is holding Jill, Eustace, and Puddleglum captive in her subterranean lair. The Queen tries to convince them that there is no world outside her cavern. She creates an atmosphere thick with a drowsy smell soft music, and then, like a serpent, like the serpent in the garden, she lies through her teeth. There is no land called Narnia. Puddleglum protests that, that he has come from up there, and the witch makes the idea seem ridiculous. Is there a country up among the stones and mortars of the roof? Jill begins to succumb to the spell, saying, no, I suppose that other world must all be a dream. Yes, says the witch, there never was any world but mine. With the last of her waking strength, Jill suddenly remembers Aslan. But the witch responds that a lion is only a big cat. And look how you can put nothing into your make-believe without copying it from the real world, this world of mine, which is the only world. Just before they all nod off for good, Puddleglum does something that makes marsh wiggles everywhere proud. He stamps his foot in the fire. If you don't know what a marsh wiggle is, you need to read the soldier. <laughs> I won't go into that. Think like giant frogman or something. 
This clears his head. He stamps his foot in the fire, burns it. This clears his head sufficiently for him to give the following speech. Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things, trees and grass and sun and Aslan. Suppose we have. Then all I can say is that in that case, the made up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. I'm going to live like a Narnian as I as I as I'm going to live as like a Narnian as I can, even if there isn't any Narnia. Those who follow Jesus have been similarly jolted awake, not by stamping feet in the fire, but by having but by having descend on them tongues of fire. Remember the words of John the Baptist, I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The spirit of Christ burns in our hearts, awakening us to the presence and activity of Jesus Christ. Sleeper, awake. The full quotation comes from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, 514. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Lewis wants us to wake up and live not in the shadowlands, but in broad daylight. Guys, we have the choice to live in a daydreamy shadowland or to wake up and realize that, that this holiness that seems to be such a weight for us to try to perform up to is actually our avenue to be God's representative in this world because we are light and need to be light. So look carefully then how you walk, not as, wise, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And with that phrase, we just jump right back to where we started with Peter, that all the time you've spent, a little or a lot, is plenty. And you need to move on from that and move into living this way, as wise, not as unwise. Therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Again, we would say that's a, that's a drastic shift in argument. How did we now get to, to wine and off of impurity? But when, when anything is, a, is such a pursuit in our life that we allow it to consume us, whether that's the idolatry of covetousness, whether it's the the overwhelming feelings of impurity and sexual immorality, or whether it's allowing ourselves to be overcome by alcohol, all of this is meaningless in light of eternity. That we settle for some experience that we think feels big, but is in fact a waste. Debauchery is, is uselessness complete waste. So rather be filled with the Spirit and use, use your words instead of the filthy talk, the crude joking, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, in your heart to the Lord and, and giving thanks for everything that God the Father, uh, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he shifts into talking about relationships by saying submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we're going to see that shift in the next 
month when we get into the rest of Ephesians chapter 5 as we begin talking about different types of relationships. But all of this is, is summed up in this idea that there are, there's a lot to the what. The, the way, the holistic purity that Paul has talked about here feels huge. There's a lot to the what. But when you understand the why, it becomes so much bigger than all the what is that you, as a redeemed follower of Jesus, one who has been made light, remember that? Not part of the light, not affected by the light. You are light. By the work of Jesus in you, you are light in this world. And, and if you don't take that seriously, then you miss your point. Be the light. If you find yourself in a daydream, wake up. Don't live this life sleepy. Be the light. Let's, let's pray together. Father, again... I ask you, would you do a work to awaken us to reality? Don't let us live in this facade of reality that we think means so much when really, Father, it's just a waste. Waken us, awaken us to the reality of what you're doing in this world and the part that we get to play in it, and what it all means for eternity with you, that you are, you are making all things new, and this is our part to play in that. Change us, and, then you, and use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we, we've got to be done, and uh, there is a group coming in here. I, um, I hate to ask this, uh, but we, we need to put a few, not all, not all, a few tables away. Um, if you're able to help, could you come up here, and Hunter, can you stand up here and, and tell people what we need to do? Um, if you are able to help, I, I would just be so grateful. If you can't and you need to go, um, then we'll see you next time. If you're lingering, I would just ask maybe it's a nice day if you want to linger outside so that so that people can come in for the next meeting.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.